Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be in your house. We thank you, Lord, for your many blessings and your goodness upon us. We ask your God to touch each and every heart here today. Touch us, God, with your love, your grace, your goodness, your presence. We worship you with all of our heart and soul. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn to your neighbor, shake their hand, greet them in Jesus' name. Tell them they look nice. Tell them you're glad they're here. Amen. Praise God. Indeed, we are glad for all of you that are with us today. God's people are the best-looking people on the face of the earth. Amen. God bless you. I want you to turn with me, if you would, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And I'm going to read the same verses that I read last week to you whenever we taught our lesson last week about the uh, things of the Old Testament or types and shadows of things of the New Testament, and they are given to us as examples. I'm going to reread these verses of Scripture and go in a total different direction than what I taught on last week. Uh, if you will look with me here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and uh, it talks about Israel, how they all left uh, Egypt together. They all was under the cloud. They all passed through the sea. And I won't reread those things, but I just want to read the scripture text that we're interested in looking at here this morning. And that is in verse 6 and verse 11. I'm going to read verse 6 first. It says, now these things were our examples. In other words, what happened to Israel and the things that happened to them were examples to us in the New Testament because we do not live as they lived in the Old Testament. We live in the New Testament in a dispensation of grace. Uh, they lived under the law. We lived under grace. So why is the Old Testament important? Because it is an example to us about how that the natural is applied to the spiritual. And uh, we talked about that last week to some extent. So these things are given as examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Verse 11, now all these things happened unto them for ensamples or examples, as we would say today, and they are written for our admonitions upon whom the ends of the world are come. So those things are written, they're in there, they're recorded, they've been passed along to us as an example for us to see how that as they walked with God or did not walk with God, what happened, how it happened, and so forth. In the natural, it applies to us in the spiritual. Now, to confirm these two verses, I'm going to read another one in the book of Romans. And this is chapter 15 and verse 4. I also read this verse last week to you. For whatsoever things were written aforetime, that is before. Now, things that were written aforetime were written for our learning. In other words, they're there for our purpose, for us to learn, for us to understand that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So I'm reading these things to let you know here that those things of the Old Testament are not things that we live by. And that's the crucial part of my message here this morning. They're not things we live by. They are only examples to us by applying their natural to our spiritual for instance, they came out of Egypt, we come out of the world. Amen. They were given the word of God, we have the word of God. We keep the word, we keep the word of God, they kept the word of God, we keep the word of God, and so forth. Only they kept it in a natural sense. They offered sacrifices unto the Lord. We offer no sacrifices because Jesus Christ is our sacrifice. 
He offered himself once and for all on the cross, and he is our supreme sacrifice. Therefore, we have no need for sacrifices. So much of the law, uh, except things that apply to morality and so forth, much of the law uh, has been fulfilled or is fulfilled in grace. And I want to show you and talk to you a little bit about some of the things here that uh, we, we want to that we feel like is important for you to understand. Uh, there have been a few people, uh, just very few from this church, who have come across uh, somebody in the Jewish world. I don't know who it is. Now, you know me, I, I respect all Jews, and I uh, respect Israel, and I have a great love for Israel and everything. But I also know that all that is of Israel is not Israel. How many of you know that? All that is of Israel. The word Israel means prince of God. So all that is of Israel is not Israel. That means if they are of Israel, they may be Israelites or Jewish people, but they don't have the spirit of the prince of God. And the Bible also refers in the Bible to sometimes what's called the sons of Jacob. Jacob was Israel's name before God changed it. Uh, Jacob means surplanter or thief. But God changed it to Israel, meaning prince of God. And so sometimes the Bible said they were the sons of Jacob, meaning they were that old nature, that old human nature that, that they had that was wrong and so forth. And that's the way the Bible terms it. I think it's good for us to understand that because all that is of Israel, and God bless them, they are God's people on this earth, uh, all that is of Israel is not Israel. And sometimes they will come along and they will entice Christians. Listen to me closely on this. And I'm going to give you a lot of scripture on this today. I'm going to go from, I'm really going to cover a lot of things here. But they will try to entice Christians to try to go back and keep some of the law. In other words, go back. You've got, we, we're not doing what we should do if we don't keep the law. Uh, and I'm going to give you scriptures and verses why that we do not have to keep the law, what Paul had to say about it, and how that applies to us today. Everybody with me? So I want to talk to you a little bit about here, this subject here, of keeping this uh, law and so forth. Praise the Lord. I want you to go to Acts 15 with me for a moment. I want to uh, refer to an event here that happened in Acts chapter 15, and uh, I'll start reading here. In a few verses, I'll start with verse 4, 15, 4, and I'm going to show you why. I have a, a map on the screen overhead here. This is a map of Paul's first missionary journey. Paul was converted of the Lord and became what was called and what is termed the apostle to the Gentiles because God specifically, Jesus specifically spoke to him Paul, I've called you to take the message to the Gentiles. And so Paul, uh, Barnabas went from Jerusalem here up to a place called, uh, where is it, Dur uh, up to Tarsus right here. And uh, the Bible says, and the scripture says in the 11th chapter of the book of Acts, that there he went to seek Saul. Now after Paul was converted, he went back to Tarsus here and he lived there for several years and studied and grew in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. Barnabas went there, said, come on, Paul, it's time for us to go out and preach the gospel. He was Saul before, then he was, his name was changed to Paul. And he took him then to a place called Antioch right here. This is Antioch, and this was a 
sort of a center of Christianity north of Jerusalem, out of Jerusalem. And so he went there and they were at Antioch. And then the Spirit of God moved on Barnabas and Saul, or Paul rather, and they went out and started evangelizing. And they went down into here, down in, this, in Cyprus, over here. Uh, I won't name all these places here, but he went to the, to the uh, Lycia and Presidia, these cities. Perga was one of the cities, another, one, another Antioch up here. They went to Iconia, they went to Lystra, they went to Derby, they went back to Lystra, back to, and they went, made their grounds and had great results in people getting saved. Praise the Lord. People got the Holy Ghost, miracles happened, the work of God was done. It was fabulous, it was wonderful, it was beautiful. They came back to Jerusalem, and then Paul and Barnabas said, I think we should go to Jerusalem down here where the apostles are and tell them what's happening among the Gentiles. Okay, so they went down to Jerusalem and, uh, and this is recorded in chapter 15. And so they went there and they met. Now look at chapter four, verse four. Let me read this. Everybody stay with me here. 15, four. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and the elders. And they declared all things that God had done with them. In other words, brethren, God is moving powerfully among the Gentiles. They had seen awesome results with this. And uh, preaching the gospel, preaching Jesus Christ, and repentance of their sins, being baptized in Jesus' name, being filled with the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God being poured out. They had seen that. People being healed of all kinds of things. Miracles happened. And they were just so excited about it. And they came back and told them all these things. Now look at verse 5. This is interesting. But there arose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed. Now these were Christian Jews, but they were still old Phariseeism. They believed in the Pharisee. And the Pharisees were strict on keeping the law. Even when they came into Christianity, they just never could grasp but that, that they had now entered into the dispensation of grace and that they did not have to keep the law. So they tried to hold the law and tried to insist that everybody else do so. Everybody got the picture here. So there was a group of them, they were called of the sect of the Pharisees which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise these people. All these people need to be circumcised. And to command them to keep the law of Moses. And so verse 6 says, verse 7, I'm going to jump here and save time. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto the men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And that's recorded in the 10th chapter of the book of Acts when Cornelius, who was an Italian, and all of his household and many of their friends came together to hear what, Paul had to, what Peter had to say and the Lord had already showed Peter that anybody could be saved. And Peter hadn't yet seen it, but he, the Lord had told him that. And while Peter was still preaching the word of God, the Holy Ghost fell on those people and they began to speak in other tongues. And those other Jews, there were six of them all together that came with Peter. They looked and their mouths fell open and they said, my Lord, God's pouring out the Holy Ghost on the Gentiles just like he did the Jews. And they were all amazed at that. 
So in this conversation here and in this speech that Peter gave, he reminds them, this is what happened to me when I went to Cornelius' house. I saw it happen. So he says that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of God and believe. Verse 8, and God which uh, knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost even as he did unto us. As we had it, they had the same thing. As they spoke in tongues, we spoke in tongues. It all goes together. And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God? This is Peter now speaking to all of these people here together. Let me just say this. At this time, the Jerusalem church numbered several thousand strong. And James was the pastor of the church. James was the half-brother of Jesus. He was, the, he was the son of Mary and Joseph, uh, but Jesus, of course, was the son of Mary and God. You know that. I don't go into detail on that. But uh, Joseph was, was the father here of James, and he was one of the apostles, and he was a very chief apostle and the pastor of the church of Jerusalem and very esteemed. He wrote the book of James in the Bible. Not James, the brother John, because he died early on preaching the gospel and was stoned because he preached Jesus Christ and they got mad at him and killed him. But this is James who was the brother of Jesus. It goes on to say here, or they sometimes refer to him as, Jesus, as the brother of our Lord. It says, it goes on to say here then in verse 10, now therefore why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? In other words, there's so many laws and rules and regulations there. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall all be, we shall be saved even as they. Notice it doesn't say they shall be saved even as we, but he said we shall be saved even as they. In other words, they are saved by the grace of God, and we are saved by the grace of God. And they are saved by the grace of God through faith, and we will be saved by the grace of God through faith, not the keeping of the law. And that's what he was saying in essence. Everybody still with me here? All right, I'm going someplace with all of this. Verse 13, I'm going to read this verse. And it says, and after they had held their peace, James answered. Now, Peter had his speech. I don't think we are to put any more burden on them. So James said, James said, I've got something to say. And so he says, men and brethren, hearken unto me. And then he gives a talk. I'm not going to read all of this down through verse 18. But he confirms what Peter says and says, we know how that God showed Peter that the Gentiles should be saved as well as, as the Jews. So he says in verse 19, wherefore my sentence is that we trouble not them. This is James now talking. You got Peter and James, two of the chief apostles at that time, which from among the Gentiles had turned to God, that we said that we trouble not them, which from the Gentiles had turned to God. Verse 20, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. This was a very basic and common thing. And, uh, and so then they went on and they said, we all agree to that. They wrote a letter and said, take this letter with you. Wherever you go, show them this is from the apostles. Everybody with me here? We're not talking just about two apostles. We're talking about all of them. You know, the 12 apostles that followed Jesus. They were the very elite of the early church. They all agreed. They were all in harmony together, one with another and so forth. Verse 29 talks about the letter that they took with them, they took it to Antioch and said, this is what the apostles said down in Jerusalem. In other words, they went back then up here to Antioch and said, we want to read this letter. Verse 29, that ye abstain from meats 
uh, offered idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication, from which if ye keep yourselves, ye shall do well, fare ye well. And that was what they had written. That's what they took with them. And from that point on, Paul and Barnabas, or later Silas, as they travel uh, throughout this region among the Gentiles, if anybody questioned them, they showed them the letter that came from the apostles. Is everybody with me here? In other words, it was just believe on the Lord and it was obey his word. Repentance is an act of believing, incidentally. Baptism is an act of believing. Praise the Lord. In other words, you're not baptized unless you believe. Uh, I mean, and you don't believe, and if you believe, you will be baptized. The Bible says, repent and be, he that believeth and is baptized should be saved and so forth. So these are all acts of believing. And uh, so they said, you don't have to keep the law. It's not the works of the law that's going to save you. It is the faith in the grace of Jesus Christ, our faith in the grace of Jesus Christ that we are saved by. Praise the Lord. Now, uh, later on, Paul confronts these same people who said, we don't care what the apostle says. We believe that all Christians need to keep the law. These were uh, Jews who had been converted to Christianity, but they were still trying to hold to the law. The, the Pharisees, as we call it. I'm going to put this map up. This map is very similar to the other one. You'll notice it's a little different. This is enlarged up in here. And the reason I'm doing that is so that I can show the enlargement of it. This is actually Paul's second missionary journey. And I'm not interested so much in the journey, but whenever they went back again, this time they went everywhere. This right in here is now called, is what we know of as Turkey. This is Greece over in here and uh, Macedonia up in here and so forth. This is probably most of all of this is Greece. But uh, here is Galatia right up here. Notice this is Galatia. This is a region in here which a lot of Gentiles had been converted and turned to the Lord through Paul, received the Spirit of God, and later, later, they went back on the Lord. They started listening to voices that said, you got to go back and keep the law. you got to go back and keep the law. you got to go back and keep the law. And Paul writes the book of Galatians to these people. Now, I want you to go with me, if you would, to Galatians chapter uh, three, I believe it is. Galatians three. Look at Galatians three and verse one. Paul writing to the Galatians says these words. Galatians three, one. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth? After they had been delivered and they had prayed through and they were walking with God, somebody would show up and said, no, 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 you've got to keep the law. Oh, we're Christians. But we know you got to keep the law. When the word had already been established by the apostles in the early church, you don't have to keep the law. Do you understand what I'm saying? There were those who were sowing the seed of discord by saying, no, 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 you got to go back and keep the law. You've got to abstain from certain meats. You've got to uh, observe the seventh day as the Sabbath. You know, you can't worship on Sunday, even though the early church did, and I'll show you that in the scriptures a little further on. So look at these verses, if you would. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched ye that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth before you. This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law? That Holy Ghost that you've got in you, that Spirit of God that you've got in you that made you a different person, 
Did you get that by keeping the law? No, of course not. Or by hearing of faith. Of course, that's how they received it. Verse 3, are you so, fo so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? And Paul is saying, you don't have to go back and keep the law. These guys are, are, are really, they're not, uh, they're not telling you the truth. I'm going to read also verse chapter 5 here. And this is the title of my chapter 5, verse 1. And this is the title of my message today here, Our Liberty in Christ. And here's what Paul says in 5.1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And when he says the yoke of bondage, he's referring to trying to keep the law. Everybody still with me? I don't know if you are or not, but anyhow, stay with me. God bless you. Look at verse 7, uh, verse 4. Christ is, be, is become of no effect unto you. He's still talking to the Galatians here. They've become of no effect unto you. Whosoever ye are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. If you go back and try to keep the law, you've fallen from the grace of God that saved us whenever we were nothing and we were nobodies and we had no right to salvation, but it is the grace of God. And that's the beautiful thing about the grace of God, folks. Man, I could talk to you all day about the grace of God. Who are we that we should be saved? What right do I have to have salvation? My, who, who is my family? Who is my great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather? You know, I go back, maybe I know who my great-granddad or do. That's about as far as I can go, you know. I know I don't follow all that, you know, all that tree stuff back there and all that. I, maybe I find some monkeys in the tree. I don't know. But, you know, you don't follow all of those things back. It doesn't matter. We are saved by the grace of God. Amen. I'm nothing special. You're nothing special. It's just God who is so special. And he saves us by his grace. And Paul was trying to tell these Galatians, it's not going back and trying to keep the law and trying to obey all those commandments and all keep this and keep that and do this and do that and redo this. Read. Just understand that Jesus Christ wants us to repent of our sins. Praise the Lord. Turn to him. Amen. Be baptized in his name. Uh, be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and in the spirit of the Lord. And this is scripture is brought out right here in a minute and I'll read it to you. But in the spirit of the Lord, do we fulfill the law by having the spirit of God? Praise the Lord. So the word is not given to us on stone. It's put in our hearts. Praise God. The word of God that we would live for him. I'm reading verse seven. He went on to say here, you did run well. Who did hinder you? that you should not obey the truth. This persuasion that caused you to go back and keep the law, this persuasion cometh not of him that called you. In other words, it didn't come from Jesus. It came from somewhere else, this persuasion. Then he said, finally says down in verse 13, for brethren, <coughs> excuse me, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, not to, for you to sin and do anything you want to do in the flesh, but by love serve one another. And then this is the key verse that I want to read to you here. And this is what Jesus said when a man came to him one time and said, what's the greatest commandment in the Bible? He said, the greatest commandment in the Bible is that the hero is of the Lord our God is one Lord and thou art to serve him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then Jesus added these words. And the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And then that guy stood there with his mouth open and Jesus had really given him both barrels. 
And he said, well, Lord, in those two commandments are all the law and the prophets. Everything in those two commandments. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, tree, and then love your neighbor as yourself. If you do those things, you keep all the law. The law is fulfilled in that. He, he understood that. And Jesus said to him, thou art not far from the kingdom of heaven. You don't, now you're understanding what the kingdom of heaven is all about. Praise the Lord. This is what verse 14 here says. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And he's talking about that part of the law that deals with our relationship with our fellow man. Praise the Lord. Verse 16, I'm going to read this. This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You shall not fulfill. So if you have the spirit, you're not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Therefore, keeping the law means nothing because it's fulfilled in your own life and the cleanness of your heart. And, and so forth. <clears throat> Verse 17, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, the spirit is against the flesh. These are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. Verse 18, but if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Everybody see that? And so what I'm pointing out simply here to you is that Paul talks about this, and this is not the only place. He talks about it in Galatians. He talks about <clears throat> this in uh, other verses in scriptures, uh, Colossians, for instance, uh, I think if I can read Colossians for a moment here to you, uh, if I can find it, I don't know where it is. Colossians has a, let's see here. Here's Colossians uh, 2 and 16. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or drink or respect of the holy days or the new moons or the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come. Not the body, but the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you uh, of your reward. Also, he talks about these things in other scriptures and so forth. Now, I want to talk to you here about two things that people today will try to get you to say you've got to go back and do. One is that you, you can't eat certain meats. I'm going to deal with the meats and I'm going to deal with the holy day. And I want you to look with me in the scriptures, if you would, about the meat factor. Uh, just as a reference, I want to go back to the book of Acts where Paul uh, was, was going to meet with Cornelius. Uh, Acts chapter 10. The Lord has spoken to Cornelius and says, send to Joppa there's a man there by the name of Peter. He'll tell you what you got to do. In the meantime, while there were men going to Joppa to get Peter and said, you know, the angel of the Lord appeared unto our master and said, for us to come and get you and you'd come and tell us what we had to do. In the meantime, the Lord dealing with Peter. And so he lets down a sheet with all these animals on it. I won't read all these verses, but he sees all of these animals and Peter's hungry at this time. And he goes into a trance. He's on top of the house. It's a patio. In those days, they were like a patio. He was up there praying. And while he was praying, he went into a trance and he was hungry and he saw all these animals come down the Lord, and, and, and this is what the Lord said. And there came a voice to me, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, what God hath cleansed that call not thou common. In other words, everything is clean. And uh, he did that three times. So Peter said, wow, something's going on here. And then when he went down to Cornelius' house, they all received the Holy Ghost. He realized God was going to pour out the Spirit of God on the Gentiles. Now, when God chose to pour out the, 
Holy Ghost on Gentiles as well as Jews, that would be all over the world. He says, in one place, I'll have a people out of every kindred, tribe, people, tongue, and nation. That means people on the islands that don't have goats, cows, and sheep, but they have oysters and, and conks and, 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 and snails or whatever they eat. You know what I'm saying? In other words, whatever people ate, that was their food and it was okay. God sanctified it. Now, I'm going to go a little bit further here on that because I think it's important here for us to understand here that the Lord says things about the meat factor. Look at 14, Romans 14 for a moment. Uh, let me show you this. Romans 14, uh, 14, 14, 14. I know and I'm persuaded by the word of God that there is nothing unclean of itself. This is Paul writing. But to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean to him, it is unclean. If you think it is, well, then I guess it becomes that in your own mind. But he said of himself, it really isn't unclean. He says in verse 5, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's where the kingdom of God is. For he, but he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Verse 20, for meat destroy not the work of God. So he's trying to say here that uh, keeping the meats and so forth is not the big issue because God has not condemned meat uh, that men may eat meat and that they may be part of our diet. Now I'm going to 1 Timothy here and this is what he says in chapter 4. Everybody stay with me or you're bored to death because I'm reading all these. Just stay with me. All right. I want to talk to you a minute about the Sabbath. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly and in the latter times, that in latter times thou shalt come, thou shalt depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. These are not all, all of this. This is not doctrines of devils so much as he's talking about other things that will come to pass as well. And he goes on to say here, forbidding to marry, and that did come to pass when they said, you know, people were not to marry, but they were to just, you know, live uh, celibate and so forth. Uh, commanding to abstain from meats. This is the latter part of verse 3. Which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. In other words, they had condemned certain meats. This meat you can eat, that meat you can't eat, so forth. How many of you like lobsters? Well, it's all right to eat lobsters. How many of you like shrimp? You know, you're already eat shrimp, you know. But under the law, you couldn't. How many of you liked uh, fried grasshoppers? <laughs> we got any Mexicans in here? They eat fried grasshoppers. Did you know grasshoppers was under the law okay to eat? That's why John the Baptist ate locusts and wild honey. Locusts was acceptable under the law. We don't eat it today. We think, oh, no way. One of our Mexican brothers one day, he was chomping and eating it out of a bag. He's chomping away. I said, what are you eating there? He said, I've eaten some, some, some uh, fried uh, grasshoppers. You want some? Uh, I said, I'll pass on this one. <laughs> but one of these days, I am going to try them. I don't know. They say they're high in protein. Well, I'll just leave that for whatever it's worth. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we eat all kinds of things, you know. And, uh, you know, I heard a, we had a brother one time came to our church and he was preaching, talk, talking about him being in a missionary field. And he said, he sat down to eat and he said, you would not believe, you would not believe it, you would not believe it. He says, the people were eating raw oysters. 
And everybody in our church all looked at each other and they said, half of our congregation said, I love raw oysters. <laughs> you know, that's the way it was. I mean, you know, it's, it's like there's nothing wrong. To abstain from meats which God had provided, you don't do that anymore. And to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. The word of God sanctifies it. Prayer applies the word of God to its sanctification. All you have to do is bow your head. If that's all you want to do when you pray for your food at a meal, just say, Lord, sanctify the food. Lord, sanctify this meal. Lord, bless our time together. Bless the missionaries. Pray for everybody you want to pray if you want to. And then just say, but sanctify the food. That's what we're here for. Amen. Everybody still with me? <laughs> all right. I'm having a little fun with this too. God bless you. Let me move on here. I want to uh, show you here in some other scriptures here that how that the Lord has granted us uh, the right to uh, eat, you know, eat all the meats. And it goes on. I could read other scriptures about meats, uh, but I won't go any further about it. Um, I do want to go back to that verse in Colossians uh, that we read to you a while ago. And uh, I... I think I can get back to it. It's in Colossians chapter 2. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of holy days or the new moon or the Sabbath days. Well, don't let anybody judge you in that, which are a shadow of things to come. Let no man beguile you of your reward and in a volunteer humility. They're trying to say, no, you know, we're trying to keep the law. We're trying to do what God says and blah, 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 blah. Let me talk to you about the keeping the Sabbath. The Sabbath, the Bible says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. I'm going to give you some understanding of that verse of scripture here. Uh, go over to uh, Exodus chapter 20. Exodus 20 is where the law is given. I'm going to read this and then I'm going to read you some other verses with it. Exodus 20, I'm not going to read all the Ten Commandments, I promise you. <laughs> you say, thank God. <laughs> but uh, in the 20th chapter of Exodus, and it's also the same thing in Deuteronomy chapter 5, the Ten Commandments are spelled out in detail. But the Lord says here in verse uh, 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Okay, And he mentioned that as one of the Ten Commandments. But keeping of the Sabbath day was particularly to the Jews. Now, I'm going to read this passage of Scripture. Don't forget this. This is a little further on in Exodus, chapter 31. It's, uh, six, six, uh, chapter, it's uh, 11 chapters away. And in verse 12, 31, 12, and I want everybody now to give me your undivided attention. Don't forget here, and if you've got your Bible, write these verses down. We may not come this way again for a long time. You never know. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbaths ye shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you, Israel now, throughout your generations, that ye may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. Verse 14 Ye shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy unto you. Now look at verse 16. I'm just jumping to 16 to save time. You can, we could read it on through. It's pretty well, uh, says the same thing over. But I won't get to 16 and 17. Wherefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath. Everybody see that? 
you got to pin underline that. It says, wherefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. Verse 17, it is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever, not the Gentiles. Do you understand what's being said here? The Lord says that this covenant, this commandment to keep the Sabbath was specifically for Israel. And can I just say it this way? If the whole world kept the Sabbath, what day would you keep it on? Because part of the world, it's tomorrow. Did you know today is tomorrow? If you're living in Asia, <laughs> maybe you know that. Yeah. If you're living in Asia, you're in tomorrow already. So while it may be one day in one place, it may be another day in another place. I mean, not like all kind of crazy days, but like, you know, the dividing of the day. We flew over to Korea one time, and we were in one day when we crossed a certain line, we, were, we, were, we, were, we missed a day. We, were, we skipped a day and was in another day. You know? It was just one of the weird things because the days change. So, but he says it's a, it's a sign between me and Israel forever. And Israel was in one location that was in Palestine. And so they could keep that Sabbath day. It was always the Sabbath day. And so they kept that Sabbath day and it was a covenant between them and Israel. Uh, there is a scripture also where the Lord confirms that in Ezekiel. I'm reading Ezekiel 20, 12. When he told Israel, I'm judging you because you never kept the commandment. He says here, moreover, also, I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between me and them. I gave Israel a sign that they were to keep the Sabbath in them and they might know that I am the Lord that sanctify them. And I'm telling you all of that because I want you to understand here that keeping of the Sabbath is not what the early church did. You know what the early church did? You know what day they kept? And the keeping of the Sabbath, the word Sabbath means rest, means rest. And so they, they made the day of worship not to be the seventh day, but to be the first day of the week. I want you to go to Revelation here. Revelation, uh, uh, I think it's the first chapter. That shouldn't be hard to remember, is it? Revelation 1, Revelation 1.10, I was in the spirit of the Lord's day. Now, if you've got a pen, underline the word the Lord's day. What day did the Lord rise from the dead, raised from the dead? First day of the week. And so therefore, the first day of the week was called the Lord's day. And so the Lord's day was the day that they worshiped. That's the day they had church. So he says, uh, I was in the spirit. This is John on the Isle of Patmos. Whenever the Lord uh, revealed to him the book of Revelation, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a voice as of trumpet and so forth. But I want you to notice here, and I'm emphasizing the word the Lord's day here. And uh, it goes on to say here, I'm going to read a couple other verses as well. Uh, over in Acts chapter 20, whenever uh, Paul was preaching and he had gathered, had the people gathered together, on the Lord's day, he says here in 27, and upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them. And that was their day of worship. I'll give you another verse of scripture in case that one, you say, oh, that's not good enough. Here's another one. The Bible says in Matthew 2 or 3, witness and let their word be established. This is uh, 1 Corinthians 16, when Paul was receiving an offering 
from the Corinthians to take to Jerusalem because they had had a great famine there and many people were suffering. And he said, let's send an offering to the church of Jerusalem. This is years later now after, uh, after Jerusalem uh, had been, uh, was the leader, of course, uh, of Christianity. It says 16.2, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him. Okay. And also, that's the day we come together. We worship the Lord. We pay our tithes. We give in our offerings, blah, 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 whatever. We, you know, all the things. We worship the Lord. But it is the first day of the week. The first day of the week is the Lord's day. So that's what Christians do today. Praise the Lord. Why? Because we don't keep the Sabbath. Jesus had to confront the Pharisees when they said, you did this on the Sabbath. You healed that man's own arm. And Jesus had to always confront them. What's wrong with doing it on the Sabbath? It doesn't make any difference. A, a day with the Lord's one day is, is, is equal with another. He said the Sabbath, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Praise the Lord. Jesus had to rebuke them several times, those Pharisees, because they want to put so much emphasis on the Sabbath, keeping of the Sabbath and everything. And uh, if I were to read some other scriptures that I read to you a while ago over the book of Exodus there, where it says by keeping the Sabbath, it said that don't keep the Sabbath, stone them to death. <laughs> Paul said in one place, if you keep part of the law, you've got to keep all the law. So if you're going to keep the Sabbath, you're going to stone everybody else that doesn't. <laughs> I'm just leaving that for what it's worth. I'm just saying, folks, we're living under the dispensation of grace. And I've got about four minutes here, and I'm going to close out with this. Uh, the Sabbath means the rest. I want you to look with me in Isaiah 28 for a moment. I'm reading here in Isaiah uh, if I can find it. Well, where is it? I guess I lost it. 28, I can give you the verses. Uh, actually, 28, uh, 28, 11. Just put it on the screen there for us. I guess you can't. Can you? Can you override this, brother? Oh, yeah, here it is. With stammering lips and other tongue will he speak to this people. Go ahead in the next verse 12. To whom he said, this is the rest wherewith the weary shall rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear speaking of Israel. So the speaking in tongues, receiving of the Spirit is the rest. That is the Sabbath of the dispensation of grace, is receiving the Spirit of God. It will give you a rest on the inside. It is the rest of God. And Jesus said in also in 11.28, Matthew 11.28, if you look at that, come unto me all you that we're here and go into Matthew 12 and you just reverse those numbers. Come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Jesus promised to give you rest. How many of you felt a rest in your soul when you came to God and you gave your heart and soul to the Lord and especially when you received the Spirit? There was a rest, a peace, that just came over you. And that's what the Lord has promised to give all of us. And in closing, I'm gonna read a scripture here that is found in uh, Hebrews, I believe it is. Give me a moment here to, to locate it. Hebrews uh, yeah, 4. Hebrews 4, verse 1. 
Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left of us of entering to his rest. This is Hebrews 4.1. A promise being left of us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. The Lord doesn't want you, you to come, become, come short of receiving all that he has for you. Look at verse 3. For we which I believe do enter into rest. As he said, I have sworn in my wrath uh, if they shall enter into my rest. Although the works were finished and the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place on the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. In verse 5, and in this place, again, if they shall enter into my rest. Verse 9, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. And I'm going to say this for what it's worth, folks. Sometimes we go through a lot of apprehension, frustration, uh, weariness, Sometimes we just don't know what to do in something in our life or something. Just remember there is a rest that you can feel for your heart and your soul in God. Sometimes you, you need an answer to something. What I'm saying is you're going to find it in the Lord. Don't ever forget that because the rest is not keeping the seventh day. The rest is in the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, the love of God. And that love of God causes us to fulfill all the Old Testament law and keeping the law in the spirit. And if we will do that, God will honor us and he will bless us. I'm going to finish reading this. There, there remain therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Verse 11, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. In other words, don't, don't, don't say, oh, I don't believe that it's for us today, or, or I don't think that that's what it means. But just remember, God has promised to give us his wonderful rest. You can have a rest in God. Hallelujah. Can we stand together today? Let's everybody in the house lift our hands and worship the Lord, and let's thank him here today for his wonderful spirit and the grace and goodness of God. Jesus, we love you with all of our hearts. We thank you, Lord, for your salvation and your gospel. We ask you to bless us all, each and every one here today. God, we thank you for the rest that you give us. We thank you for the grace of God, the peace of God, the goodness of God. We thank you, Lord, for salvation. In the precious and wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.